0: Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Due to budget cuts, tonight's show is brought to you by the four days of Christmas with a gift of a plastic bird toy in an old Happy Meal box. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, they sometimes are irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, for the last show of 2016. And remember, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are listening to it to listen to this wonderful show. Um, Alright, on tonight's show... Hey, I'm gonna somewhat answer a question but at the same time ask you a question about the uh, direction of the show and where you would like to go and that's all related to pipe parts so that's coming up and in uh, my guest tonight is uh, John Ferraro. John is a professional real working drummer who's uh Credits include uh, working with uh, Barry Manilow, Burt Bacharach, uh, Rod Stewart, and uh, I mean just just a ton of great jazz musicians. He's recorded all over. Uh, plus, he's a pipe smoker. So we'll talk to John. Uh, music for the uh, last of the holiday season, and it's all from uh, it's got John playing on it. He doesn't know about that yet, so don't tell him. Uh, mailbag. And uh, rant all that coming up on uh, tonight's show The Pipes Magazine radio show All right, uh, do not forget Don't forget Facebook Live 9pm Eastern Time this Thursday Two days from today Uh, We'll sit around, smoke a pipe together Chat back and forth Uh, I don't know, maybe I'll show off some of my own pipes And we'll just just have an open forum chat So uh, find me, Brian Levine, on Facebook And I'll be uh, live there at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Thursday night. Also, uh, while you're on Facebook, don't forget to follow the Pipes Magazine radio show on Facebook and like me. And it's been a while since I've asked, and it's been a while since we've gotten one. It would be wonderful if all of you could uh, go over to uh, iTunes and leave us a rating or review there. We sure do appreciate that. That's one of the best ways to help the Pipes Magazine radio show, keep going and uh, get discovered by new listeners as we uh, head into 2017. All right, everybody, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go. Welcome back. All right. Uh, Hey, forgot to ask, what'd y'all get for Christmas? Uh, Let me know. Show those pipes. Uh, Maybe uh, there's a thread on PipesMagazine.com right now that shows uh, kind of what everybody got for Christmas. So maybe next week we'll go over that. All right. So for pipe parts, I want to talk about uh, pipe parts and answer this question that Chuck sends in. Uh, Brian, when pairing blends with drinks last night... You mentioned for one drink of Virginia that is a little more on the sweet side and less on the hay or grassy side of your favorite Virginias rate them from most sweet to most grassy. Also, I'd like to see you do the same for Virginia Periques. Um, let me just say, because of my, uh, because of my job with Sutliff tobacco and working for McBaron, I can't rate stuff. It's not fair. Um, and because of the fact that I am the leading expert on my own opinion, it would just be my own opinion. Uh, you really need to try stuff to find out for yourself. Uh, to answer a little bit of his question, I will say that the Virginia, the straight Virginia blends that come from uh, the Danish or German tobacco factories tend to me to have more of that uh, hay or grassy. Taste to it, um, and then the ones that come from American and uh, and maybe some of the some of the British manufacturers tend to have more of that uh, that natural tobacco sweetness. Um, so that I mean that's that's kind of how I break it down now uh going forward yeah you know sorry i can't rate tobaccos and i and i really don't know if i would want to rate tobaccos anyway because i mean it's such a personal question uh what i will ask you is uh what would you like to see done with pipe parts what haven't i covered that you would like to hear um is there more in-depth stuff that Maybe something I brushed over a long time ago that you'd like to hear more of a detail on. Uh, one of the examples is uh, maybe a uh, a little bit quicker, you know, three to four minute or five minute bio on some lesser known pipe makers. Um, there's uh, you know several wonderful articles in uh, Pipes and Tobacco's magazine over the years that would be uh, simple for me to kind of condense down and give the Cliff Notes version of them uh, talking about all kinds of you know pipe makers of the past. Um, I really don't uh, you know I don't have any new secret information that I can divulge but would you like to see pipe parts uh, spend some more time on that? Would you like to see uh, pipe parts talk about uh, new releases on the market or products that are uh, uh, back on the market? As we uh, all sit here and wait to find out what happens with the US FDA. But you know, we, we still have the rest of the world that we can talk to. So what would you like from the Pipe Parts segment? Please email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, send me a message on Facebook through either the Pipe's Magazine radio show page. Or through the uh, or through my own page. Or post them right there on uh, the Pipe's Magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com it's all up to you what do you want to hear what did i miss uh what would you like for me to talk about again uh what would you like the pipe part segment the first five to six minutes of this show to be about for the uh, 2017 year all right there you go look forward to reading all your uh, ideas and uh responses uh please send them in and in just a minute john Ferraro will be on the phone
3: this is internet radio
4: craftsmanship history tradition these are the hallmarks of all quality products from the finest wines bottled in france to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in germany In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on Earth, Mac Baron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of Burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Baron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of Modern Virginia from Mac Barron Tobacco Company, available at fine tobacconists everywhere.
2: Merry New Year!
0: welcome back to the pipes magazine radio show and uh joining us I'll, uh john i promise i will try not to i will try not to uh work in too many musician and uh drum drummer puns but uh, oh you
3: might yeah please
0: do this is uh one pipe smoking musician who you can't beat ha ha uh please, <laughs> Please welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, musician and pipe smoker, John Ferraro. John, welcome to the show.
1: Good morning, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. It's a privilege and a pleasure to be on the line here with you today. Thank
0: you. Yes, I was I was trying to remember, we first met, I don't know, over the phone when I was working for Peter Stokeby, probably, I don't know, 12, 14 years ago. Does that sound right? That's- that
1: does sound right, and I re- do remember uh, actually meeting you in person, too, or excuse me, at one of the L.A. pipe shows. I think it was over on Vermont Avenue, and uh, our dear friend Robert Bant used to be involved with that. And I think you were actually at the show, and then another time, either later on that year, you were uh, making a call over to the Tinderbox Wilshire, the original, you know, Ed's old shop, and then I got to spend a little bit more time with you. Then I think you were on the hunt, as always, for the <laughs> famous uh, Walt Disney pipes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That that first Hollywood <laughs> pipe, that pipe show was held in what, an Armenian banquet hall. <laughs> it was. That's
1: right. Exactly right. Yeah. Yep.
0: All. Yep. All I remember is the Armenian cognac that they were giving out for free.
3: Uh, oh
1: yeah, I don't know if I was around for that. I probably had to take off to go do a gig, so I may. Since it was a Saturday, I probably had to be out of there by mid-afternoon or <laughs> early evening to to make it to my job. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah all right. So let's yeah. let's get to know you. Where did you uh, Where did you grow up, and when did you start playing the drums?
1: Well, uh, originally from the East Coast, born in Connecticut, and then uh, we migrated to California when I was 11 years old um, with my grandparents. Columbia yachts so he came out here and we followed along along with my uncle who was a uh, school principal and he had done his graduate work at USC so there was kind of this you know transplant slash east coast uh, to the west coast connection with my family and I'm sure glad that they did because then it opened up opportunities for me with drumming uh, here in Southern California and back then they did have you know music in all the public elementary schools. high high school. So I came up through that whole system and had some really good teachers and um, played, you know, always in the high school band and such, which was valuable training as I look back at it, because you were basically spending two hours a day with the marching band and then the orchestra practicing (laughs) your instrument. And then it helped me, you know, open the door for my professional career. But even though the guy who was the band leader always used to kind of urge us not to be looking at doing it professionally because I think he had done it for a while then he went to the military and he was definitely running the high school band more like a military type uh, operation rather than it being so much about the music but he was a fine musician as well so yeah I started it was always in the jeans. my mom is a pianist and my dad played the trumpet so I think I was always around music and people that liked it and then it was sort of a natural progression and was very fortunate to have their support uh, growing up, and as well as the grandparents, you know, to drive me to lessons and such when they were working. But uh, I was always, always gravitated towards drums, and then did have some time learning the piano, which I'm glad, because it gives you kind of a, a musical concept, understanding the, the melody, the harmony, and the rhythm, which are the main components of uh, music, as far as, I, as far as I can tell so far. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, you've got computers, so... People can sit in their bedroom and make incredible albums without ever actually playing an instrument, just using samples and uh, machine sounds. Yeah, but so th- it, for me, I'm primarily a drum set player, and uh, I don't—I do a little bit with percussion, but not so much. Um, and then, uh, you know, like I said, mostly drum set versus, like, orchestra percussion with timpani and xylophone and things like that. I've had a little exposure at the college level with that, but never pursued it to be a symphonic player.
3: So
0: what type of music was your first love?
1: Good question, Brian. Um, that I would have to say, in fact, I just watched last night on uh, Hulu, that Eight Days a Week, the Beatle documentary by Ron Howard, yeah, and uh, it reminded me of, like, wow, this was such an impact in the early 60s, and I could distinctly remember Sunday night, you know, Ed Sullivan's show, and begging my parents to stay up late enough to be able to watch it, so we'd already be in our pajamas, and I'd be right in front of the TV, black and white, to watch <laughs> the Beatles, and just, like, wow, you know, what's this, and so it still has a special place in my heart, and, you know, just I love the... Uh, the happy feeling that a lot of their music has. And then of course they, their style changed as they got older, in their career. But that along with some exposure to like some of the big band and, uh, you'll laugh, but this was sort of a thing from the Disneyland exposure, like the Dixieland jazz. Yeah. So kind of a wide scope. And then, uh, you know, started out, I guess though, you'd have to say, I guess if you're looking at it, like the, um, British invasion, those type of bands, along with the music from our country, which is a rich heritage, obviously, and uh, one of my friends named Sterling Ball, who's president of the Ernie Ball Company, it's a family-owned business that makes the guitar strings and music band guitars. One of his interesting comments is about, you know, our American form of music, that it got sort of imported to Europe, but they showed us how to use it in certain aspects, like certain groups. Um, You know, so we always talk about that influence sort of, Continent, the continent, and uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I like a lot of British bands, but of course, a lot of them are copying, you know, American rock and roll. The Rolling Stones will be the first to say that they love Chuck Berry, and uh, you know, anything like that. So, it's interesting how it gets cycled all the way around the world.
0: So, as a you know. teen, as a teenager in uh, Southern California, were you the? A kid going to Disneyland that would hang out with the Dixieland jazz band or the big bands that were playing on Saturday night?
1: Yes, most definitely. And then uh, I was actually very fortunate to have a really good job one summer. I think I had just graduated high school, or it was the first year of junior college, where I was playing at the Space Mountain stage. that had just opened, so it was six nights a week, four shows a night. So on our breaks and then... Then they had what was called Carnation Plaza, I think. Yeah. And they had all these big bands that would come through. So we saw Count Basie, Buddy Rich. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember all the different bands. But each week was a whole different band. So I was able to uh, sit right next to these guys and watch them do their thing. You know, the entire band, but also the drummers. And there were some pretty phenomenal drummers that were touring like that back in that day. So that was a huge influence too even though the music we were doing was kind of contemporary at the time, 1970s, I guess. And, uh, but I remember us doing a Weather Report song, which was kind of an instrumental <laughs> as an opener. So that was kind of uh, Birdland was the name of the tune. And that's a famous tune that uh, was kind of out, even on the radio back then. You know, when the, the group um, Weather Report, which was pretty avant-garde for its time and still regarded as one of the top jazz groups. So, yeah, Yeah. the Disneyland thing. And then, you know, if it wasn't them, then I would be going over to watch the Dixieland guys. And uh, so, yeah, always (laughs) seeking out new music at an early age, yeah.
0: I mean, that's one of the... All right, we'll get off the Disneyland thing here in a minute, but one of the the things that people don't realize about Disneyland was there was some really, really good talent that would come in and play and perform there in the... 60s 70s even into the 80s and the early 90s and then they uh, kind of phased all that stuff out
1: right i think the format changed and you know especially with uh styles and things um just one more thing i wanted to mention about the 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 disneyland thing which was a huge um influence for me is that we were doing a show that was called the kids of the kingdom so this was a show that was i forgot how long it was but it was all with music charts and it had pre-recorded track, so in other words, I got to wear headphones and play along with what's called click track, so it's a metronome that keeps time, so that was a huge uh, practice tool and way to study what I eventually got into as far as being a, a you know, studio musician, where that was the name of the game, you did you your stack of music, put on your headphones, and here comes the clicks, and you start playing along, so... I'm, you know, very grateful for that opportunity to have been able to train and do, you know, we always, you know, get uh, paid while you're learning how to do (laughs) a skill that you could use later on in your career. So that was a huge thing. That was one of the summers I was there, and that was during the daytime show, Kids of the Kingdom. But yeah, that's the Disneyland experience with music.
0: (laughs) So when when did you start smoking a pipe?
1: Very good question. Okay, um... You know, I was a uh, senior year of high school, and at this time I was way into a group called Cream, which was obviously, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, Eric Clapton, Ginger Baker, Jack Groose. Yeah. So a friend that uh, had just moved here from Long Island, New York, a good friend of mine, Ross Harris, I mentioned his name, and uh, very New York Jewish guy, wore like these really cool rock star clothes, it sort of didn't fit in with the Newport Beach 501 Levi, uh, I don't even know, if fans, tennis shoes were there, and t-shirts, but, you know, didn't look like a surfer. So. <laughs> and I didn't look like that either, because I was in the marching band, so I had short hair, military cut. But anyways, Ross showed up, and we sat next to each other in an uh, English class. And he was over there drawing and doing stuff, and then somehow the topic of smoking came up, you know, either with cigarettes or something. And he goes, oh, no, don't smoke cigarettes. You've got to smoke a pipe. And I think he wrote an article about it, which you'd find fascinating, about the classification of tobacco, like a grade A versus a grade G or something. Yeah. So he had all this theory and thesis, and it was kind of fascinating. We always thought it was kind of funny. But he was one of the early guys, and he was way into uh, the Ben Wade freehand pipes, like uh, you know plateau tops with smooth finishes, it had a, had already started a collection at a fairly young age, so that kind of opened the door. And I can remember, you know, smoking Flying Dutchman tobacco and trying, I still have this tin that I bought of uh, Dunhill Early Morning, which was way too strong for me back then. <laughs> <laughs> and so I forget what some of the other uh, more aromatic blends would have been. But uh, there was still a shop, and you probably know this shop here in Orange County at South Coast Plaza, the tinderbox. Yep. And the proprietor there is a very good friend, Manjit Bain. Mm-hmm. So Manjit's been in business for, I don't know how long, but probably more than 40 years. And uh, there I started shopping, and it would go in. And I remember one of my first purchases was a Savonelli 804 uh, Deluxe. Uh, it's a beautiful tiger kind of striped pipe, and I still have that pipe. I had the stem replaced by another shop down in uh, El Toro area, tobacco barn when Jim Allison was alive. Yeah. So he sent it out for repair because I chewed through the stem, and they did a perfect replacement. I have a feeling it may have been JT Cook that may have done the replacement work, but I'm not 100% <laughs> sure about that. <laughs> so I still have that pipe and pull it out on occasion. This would have been circa 1973. So wow. uh, that was one of my first ones, and I had some Joe B pipes. And one of the things I was going to mention about that is I think over my pipe smoking career I was always, you know, trying to scrounge up enough money to buy a pipe and looking back as advice going forward to a younger pipe smoker i would say save up your dough and get one nicer pipe rather than buying three that are just okay because at this point now i have a collection and i'd probably say about a third or more are not necessarily basket pipes but they're just not as nice they're still some of them pretty good smokers but uh, if you're going to invest save up your money so you can get that nice, you know, Castello or whatever is your flavor, you know, or or, uh, preference. And that was not a mistake, but just uh, something I learned. And it was pointed out to me. So, you know, you can only smoke one pipe at a time and you might as well spend a little bit more and get the one that you're going to smoke That's a nicer piece.
0: that's a perfect spot we'll take a break right here we'll come back we'll talk more uh, yeah. pipe smoking and uh, I don't know we'll find out what else we can uh, get into on the downbeat so uh, stay with us we'll be back yeah. in just a minute
3: Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion it's their birthright their legacy and just like Savonelli it continues to grow and evolve it is ever-changing. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today.
0: We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with John Ferraro, who has absolutely nothing to sell you, which is wonderful, uh, except we'll talk about more of your music in a little bit. But, uh, so, pipe, yeah. pipe smoking-wise, you would tell somebody that instead of, uh, instead of buying three pipes that are $50 each, buy one pipe that's like 120 or or 150
1: Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, Brent. Yeah, I think... Um... That Was sort of the lesson I've learned after you know many years of uh of smoking that you know obviously you can only smoke one at a time, so might as well save up and get the nicer piece. Uh, maybe some of the retailers won't like hearing that, but <laughs> rather than but if you're a heavy rotation smoker too, there's an argument to say, well, I want to have a pipe that I smoke my Virginias in, a pipe for my aromatic, and then the pipe for the English blend. And that to me makes a lot of sense. In fact, I've designated some of my pipes in that fashion, <clears throat> and but if you're starting out, you know I think people are always intimidated or don't want to uh, necessarily spend a lot of money on it just to try it out. and there are I still have some of my earlier pipes, which are incredible smokers. I um, used to go to the I believe it was called the Wilkie shop in New York City yeah. in the '90s. We used to play at the Blue Note I was touring with Larry Carlton at the time, so we would be there for a whole week. And they had what they would call these basket pipes. And still to this day, they're incredible smokers. And I think they were like maybe $30 or less even. And I have about four or five of those pipes that are about group three-sized, smooth finish, beautifully open, you know, chambers so I didn't have to do any modification. And those pipes still smoke great. And, um, in fact, I have an apple pipe that I had with me this past year. (coughs) Excuse me, at the... um, Las Vegas show there in the West Coast pipe Show back in November, and that was sort of my go to pipe for that weekend
0: how uh back back then when it was when yep. smoking was more uh easy to do anywhere how often how many times a day were you smoking a bowl or was it still just a kind of an evening thing
1: usually an evening thing and maybe only about two or three times a week, so very rarely have I been like a you know, several times a day type of pipe. Maybe if I'm on a vacation and it's a seasonal thing or a location where it's in Europe, perhaps where you can sit out on a nice patio when I'm touring. So that's um, it. sort of depends on the the time frame and the environment. And I've been very fortunate to be able to tour pretty much around the world and go to these different countries, uh, Japan many times, and visit some of the pipe shops there, um, Australia was last year I was there and actually did not find very many pipe shops. It was kind of a taboo there with the tobacco in general. It's all, you know, out of sight and not, you can't even see it yeah. uh, when you walk into a store. But um, yeah, for me, it's not like a daily habit. So it's something I do when I've got free time. In fact, last night I was out on my back patio um, and had a nice bowl of uh, penzance, which is my favorite, with my Paul Perry Group five, uh, big billiard pipe, and so that was a very enjoyable smoke. Just you know, sat and was enjoying the evening. So, yeah, different seasons. You know, summertime, maybe it's a different blend. But I also do like cigars from time to time with the summer.
0: So, uh, no pictures so, yeah, of you they're... sitting behind the drum kit with a uh, with a bent billiard hanging out of your mouth, puffing away, huh? <laughs>
1: Um, I bet you there probably are. And in fact, you know, like maybe at some of the outdoor festivals, um, you know, that maybe at sound check, but probably not during a show. Um, but I'm trying to remember there's a famous bass player, jazz bass player named Ron Carter.
3: Yeah.
1: Who I used to see pictures of him, and he'd always have a nice big bent uh, freehand pipe up there playing his upright bass. And he played for Miles Davis back in the day, world famous, you know, musician. It was a pipe smoker. Then there was another guy named Lou Tobackin, of all names, but he was a saxophonist. He used to smoke pipes. So (laughs) there's a lot of musicians, and in fact, I remember reading about it on the earlier Pipe magazine about some of the guys that were, uh, and actually in Downbeat magazine, too, I think seeing pictures of guys, jazz musicians, that were pipe smokers, too. So kind of a unique uh, breed of people, I think, as you probably agree, and you've had a chance to, you know, talk with many of them. But, yeah, it's, for, as far as, like, being on stage with it nowadays, of course, it's so anti-smoking everywhere you go. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Outdoor festivals, yeah, the way to relax at an outdoor festival, which we did last year. I've been touring the last four years with Bert Bacharach, and he's uh, in his 80s, and um, we were at Glastonbury Festival, and a lot of people are doing the fake thing. You see that a lot. And so they had some booths where they had people set up Sampling different types of uh, product for that, but you know, every once in a while, you'll run into a pipe smoker, and it's—I'm sure you've had this comment when you have lit up a pipe of, you know, especially from a lot of uh, ladies or girls, like, "Oh, that reminds me of my grandpa." So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> heard that comment many a time, but you know, it's sort of a novelty, I guess. Yeah, every it's a nostalgic thing, yeah.
0: Every time, a, every time somebody says that to me, I want to hit them with my walking stick. Um,
1: there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm <laughs> bummed. Yeah, there we come there, Yeah, that was good, right? That was a good.
0: Yeah, and, and I got out. a and, and I got a rim <laughs> shot from a real drummer. Um, there you go. <laughs> uh, in in all it's your so years good. of in all your years of pipe buying, what do you do if you buy a pipe and it just doesn't? It's not. It's just not working for you.
1: Right. Um, I have an example of that where I did pick up an estate castello. And it was a, I um I think it was the Sea Rock and we were at the first time I went to Chicago, which by the way I was gonna talk about with you as well. You were nice enough to invite me to a sort of an exclusive dinner when uh, Bill Taylor was alive with Ashton Pipes. Yeah. And then there was another group of gentlemen that was from a big shop that was in maybe Chattanooga, Tennessee or, Knoxville. or that, uh, eastern Tennessee. I don't Yeah. Yeah. So those guys that you were like, No, come on, you're coming with us. I'm like, What? I'm just <laughs> You know, I, I'm not even in the industry, but I'm just a knucklehead. But you know, you've always you were kind enough to invite me, so uh, that was a really fun evening, by the way. But the uh, the pipe that I got from Gus's tobacco shop it was an estate pipe over there, and uh, used to be in Sherman Oaks, California, and it was just didn't smoke good. It was really tight the draw, so I brought it with me, thinking maybe I can trade it. Or and I was able to sell it at the Chicago show. This would have been around 2003. And I remember that because I did enter that smoking contest and I haven't still have this nice uh, two-gay pipe, the Japanese pipe with a tamper in the pipe smoking contest. But I was able to sell it, I think, for 125 bucks, so I was happy just to dump it. And um, <laughs> most of them, you know, I've had pretty good luck with stuff. And then as far as the state pipes or brand-new pipes, uh, but now I've gotten a lot more careful about checking the airflow um, with pipes, and I'll usually just pick it up. And grab it by the bowl and then you know without putting my mouth on the pipe I'll just blow through my hand to see if it has that whistle or you know if it's an open kind of airflow so that that and then of course the weight of the pipe for me and uh the hand feel are important and I'm you know I've got a mixture of rusticated sandblast pipes as well as some nice smooth pipes and uh so like some of them are still in smoke, so they're kind of, you know, new estate pieces. And then the beauty of being able to travel around the world is sometimes you'll go to a shop where they either have stuff on sale or the shop might be closed. In fact, last summer we were in Austria and Vienna and they went to the Joseph Osterman shop. Yeah. And I believe, you know, they had this sign out front with the markings, red red signs 50% off. And I was like, oh, wow, what's going on? <laughs> so a nice lady there, I think her name was Maria or Mary maybe.
4: And she said, yeah, we're
1: going out of business. We're closing the shop. And I was like, oh, no. But it was a beautiful setting with all these drawers of fantastic pipes. So I was able to pick up a couple of pieces, one that was from an Austrian carver. And it's still, I haven't smoked it yet, but it still has The beautiful straight grain and the nice plateau top with a cumberland stem. So Yeah, it's fun. You know, in the travels, you get to see these places. Of course, L.J. Peretti in Boston, uh, Kansas City, there's a couple of shops there. And uh, Chicago, and of course, Ewan Rees, and then uh, i trying to think where else you know, the Bay Area I used to have. I used to go visit Marty Polvers when he had his shop there, and now it's nice to see him at the show. So, yeah, part of the fun of traveling around the country is visiting these different establishments that I've read about in the Pipe magazine, too. And if you have a heads-up tip, in fact, we were just in uh, Boston, and we were over near Harvard, and I didn't know about this shop, and I forget what it's called.
4: Levin they
2: had and the, uh,
1: you know, it used to be, There you go, yeah. Right. And so I was able to, we were at a different merchant with my wife, she was shopping for some perfume or something, and I just sort of asked about, you know, is there a cigar place nearby? And she goes, oh yeah, it's right around the corner here, so kind of a classic old shop. They had the Ehrlich blend uh, pipe tobacco, so I picked up some of that, and it was very enjoyable, I remember that. And then, of course, we went to LJ Peretti, which was, um, you know, in Boston proper, but yeah, uh, yeah lots of fun places to visit, you know, as a hobby, as part of the travel, and especially if they have a day off that I'll, uh, you know, make a pilgrimage to go find these places. It's fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you're, you've are you been in more pipe shops than I've been in, and that's uh, that's saying a lot. Uh, um, are there, that's true, yeah. yeah. Is there a certain dimension to a pipe that you look for or any measurement requirements that a pipe has to have before you'll buy it?
1: Good question um I like to you know on the on the straight pipes like the lumberman shapes or the you know billiards usually like to gravitate more than like five and a half inches so like six inches is kind of an optimum length for me um, and then I'll be also curious to see if it's uh if it's a solid piece you know rather than it having a splice or whatever they call that so yeah usually the billiards and lumberman shape or Canadian shapes I like them to be you know, six to seven inches. Um, bent pipes, I don't have too many of the bent pipes, but I do have a couple of Peterson pipes, which are, I think it's a shape 312. That's a really nice uh, system pipe. <clears throat> and then that's a little bit smaller bowl diameter, but it's very easy to light. And I don't, I'm not a big fan of the wider type pot-shaped bowls where they're too wide. So I, I don't know if it's three-quarters or seven-eighths. You know, when you're shopping on eBay, you can always see these detailed measurements on some of the fenders and things. So I like, like, the more traditional, I guess, 7 eighths or, you know, 3-quarter diameter bowl. And then as far as height, maybe 2 inches or less. Because I usually don't sit down for more than hour, you know an hour and a half. But some people like a big, giant bowl. <clears throat> and then the freehands, of course, are kind of just objective to the grain and the hand feel. Um, And uh, as you know, there's so many new uh, pipe makers now. I was really impressed with some of the work I saw this year at the uh, West Coast Show in Las Mm -hmm. Vegas. And uh, so there was, you know, people are, but I always pay attention to the detail of mainly the airflow is my primary. And then also checking the uh, stem to see if it doesn't have a big button on it. I guess they call that that little ridge, you know. And I know Castellos, I've had a couple of Castellos where they've been a little bit enlarged like that, and it's not been troublesome, but it just kind of bothers you while you're smoking. And I do like fishtails. I'm a fan of the fishtail shape. Um, It's as far as ornamentation on the pipes. You know, I have a few that have some silver bands, things like that. Um, In fact, I have a Kamoi print that's got a gold band on it, a really nice smoking pipe. And uh, that's an old one. I think I got that one from... uh, the shop that was in Century City that went out of business. Yeah. Also, the Century Plaza Hotel downstairs, you probably, I can't recall what it was called, but they had they had some nice old pipes in there and they were blowing them out. So I <laughs> 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 was in the right place at the right time when I lived in Culver City. It was very close to where I lived. So yeah, there's different dimensions. I'm not super picky. A lot of them are similar. And then as far as brand, I like, especially the Italian pipes, I would say first probably followed by Danish, then followed by the English, and then some of the independent carvers from all over the world. Japan pipes and pipes from the States, and some of the other European countries, too. And uh, Yeah, so kind of a cross-section of stuff. There's some duplicates, and uh, you know certain brands. The Scorti, I have quite a few of those. Savonellis, most of those. Um, only a couple of Dunhills and a few Costellos, because those are obviously the more prestigious price point pipes too, and then uh, like I said, a number of different independent carvers. But
0: well, you know, it's with a,
1: you know, a nice collection, yeah.
0: With a last name of Ferraro, you should like the Italian pipes better.
1: Yes, yeah, that's right. I <laughs> <laughs> that was well trained early on. yeah. in I, fact, you know, I've been to the shop there in Rome to visit. Uh, I think it's Marco. That's yeah. the uh, the pen. I forget the Novelli. Is that the name of the shop there? Yeah, that's a beautiful shop. They just got rows, trays and trays of castellos he pulls out, and you just start going, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so now with the euro, I think it's a little trickier. I don't think they're selling in the States from what I've been told, mail order because of the exchange rate with the euro. But if you happen to you know, be anywhere near there and you can get a, a visit, it's totally worth it, yeah. And it's interesting to see the difference of pricing on the tobacco, which is your you know, end of uh, line of work. Um, extremely expensive with all the tobaccos overseas so I'm always making sure I bring, usually bring some 9.65 and then maybe like a McClellan red cake a couple of different, you know like about 50 gram pouches just so I've got something yeah. to travel with and I can share it with other pipe smokers that are
0: there. Uh, especially in Australia where it might be $75 for a 50 gram tin.
1: Right, it's really gone through the roof. Yeah, I was- shocked when I saw the pricing there, and I was like, wow. And uh, two of the musician friends I worked with um, years ago in 1982 with Barry Manilow, a uh, bass player a friend named Leon Gayer, he was way into the pipes, so I know he still lives there in, in Sydney, and um, he used to mail order stuff when I guess you could do it through the cigar warehouse over there in Ventura Boulevard, yeah. and that was his go-to shop because he lived in the valley, and so he was always or if he was coming over here to visit, he would make sure to go in there and stock up on his favorite cigars to bring home and some of the tobacco. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know it. This year, at the... Sh- yeah. Go
0: ahead. Bye. Last question, and then we'll wrap it up. But do you yeah. do you notice any difference in uh, coolness of smoking or taste? You know, a sandblasted or rusticated versus a smooth.
1: Definitely. In fact, even last night, this is the most recent reference the smooth uh, billiard that I was smoking with the pins on was starting to get a little on the hot side, and I'm not a heavy puffer or smoker. I'm aware of it because I'm always keeping the pipe in my hand to check the, the um, temperature. So the day before, I think I'd had an Escorty, that it was like the uh, business finish, and that was yeah. a much cooler smoke, you know, with a with sort of rusticated or sandblast. So, yeah, if I really want to um, not have to think about the heat then I'll usually go to a sandblast or a rusticated pipe. And then if I'm patient enough and just feel like having the, the you know keep your hand warm almost, it seems like the smooth pipe does generate more heat, and especially if it's got a, uh, I don't know if it's considered lacquer or some sort of a finish on it, but it can be a lot hotter. So certain blends don't work so well with certain pipes that I've found. And um, I do like the you know sandblast. I do have a JT Cook which is an incredible pipe, <laughs> but I have a lot of other nice pipes that was rivaled that some stand wells that are really great smoking pipes that were a fraction of the cost, and uh, those are some go-to pipes for the with the uh, sandblast finish. So, yeah, good. that's a good question, though, because it's taken me time and by talking to people like yourself to find out about that, and just, it's interesting. You know, I'm always asking questions to the older guys, especially because they've been around, and point and the usually they point you in the right direction um, you know not they're not always some of the guys are always trying to sell you something you know who they are but I won't say but uh you know they'll try to talk you up to a price point but in general yeah it's a neat group of people and appreciate the dedication that some of them have with the uh you know hobby i guess that you know definitely but some of them it's their livelihood too so I appreciate them being able to pursue that and make a living
0: we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions no right answer yep. no wrong answer just whatever comes to your mind are you ready
1: <laughs> very good okay so like a five-stroke roll right here it is yes.
0: what okay. is your favorite pipe
1: my favorite pipe uh i would have to say Savonelli.
0: and what is your favorite tobacco
1: I definitely would say uh, Esoterica Penzance, which is harder and harder to find. <laughs> Closely followed by Dunhill 965. So, But, uh, yeah, Penzance is really special. And i got to mention Plum Pudding, the Seattle Pipe Club. That's another alternate go-to pipe. Or, excuse me, tobacco that I love. Yeah.
0: What is your favorite drink?
1: Mmm. <laughs> kind of depends on the season and the mood and also the... Uh, the um, time of year. Or I guess that would be season, obviously. Um, single malt scotches are nice, but I've been discovering a lot of the bourbon, you know, North America bourbon, uh, along with different blends. So between those two, with pipe, if especially if I'm going to have a pipe, it'll either be a single malt, and I like the more peated type, or it'll be a bourbon. And I've got a couple that I like, uh, that I'm still learning about the bourbon. So, yeah.
0: When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music?
1: I thought you were going to sing the commercial Beer After Beer, <laughs> Killer Beer. When it's time to relax. Yeah. Sorry. Um, usually, movies um, and/or, you know, internet uh, with YouTube, watching uh, other musicians, especially like the. Uh, this Nowadays, with Facebook, you've got so many posts daily of some incredible live concert footage of some of my. Musical heroes, drummers, uh, other musicians from you know decades gone by. So that's a really fun way. But you know, now that with the we have the Apple TV, and I'll you know check out uh, Netflix, some of the series that are on there. And then you know, like I said last night, I also watched the Beatles documentary, which I highly recommend. Uh, Ron Howard, yeah. So yeah.
0: And the final question is. Do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't discussed?
1: Oh, that's a very good one. Um, gosh, let me think on that one. That's a little trickier. Um, not any in particular. Uh, like I said, I'll, I'll go to the, refer to that night that I got to spend with you and the late great uh, Bill Taylor. You know, in uh, at the Pheasant Run Resort, that was a really fun night you know to be able to hang out with you guys and uh share a bowl of tobacco and yeah but I mean all over the world too I've been some amazing places where uh you know like midnight sun up in Scandinavia where it's 11 p.m and sun's still up and you're having a nice pipe (laughs) on a balcony at the hotel so yeah there's, there's some fun things and even on a cruise ship you know uh they're very fortunate to do some gigs with that on cruise ships on occasion but yeah no real in particular thing i remember having a really nice cuban cigar on a balcony in vancouver or actually it was victoria for the david foster foundation which raises money for people who are having uh, transplants and surgeries and I'd, at the time was subbing on my old gig which i used to do with barry manilo so that was fun because after the show we had a nice little after show party on this balcony and the, there they had the cuban cigars so we were enjoying that along with some uh Nice single malt, but yeah, lots of lots of good nights to remember.
0: <laughs> uh, John, you're a you're a rare breed yep. because you're an actual, real, working professional musician who uh, makes a living doing it. And uh, I'll work in one more uh, drummer's pun for you because it seems like yep. over your travels, you've managed to get into some great pipe shops and snare some nice pipes.
1: <laughs> that's right there you go that's right so I, I come crashing I come crashing through the door and, with a symbol of approval yes yeah. <laughs> the other that's right and the rim shot yes on, but, uh, um,
3: on yeah,
0: is, yeah. yeah on that note I'll <laughs> say uh, thank you very much for joining us uh, happy new year to you and we'll uh, hopefully see you at yes. Chicago
3: Pipe Show that's
1: right thank you so much Brian it's really a really a pleasure to be with you and spend time here sharing some of my anecdotes and experience with the, uh, our hobby, the pipe smoking, yes.
0: And we'll be back in just a minute.
2: This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meersham Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford, We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meersham Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meersham, Washington, Missouri, since 1869.
3: This is Internet Radio.
0: Welcome back. You know, just the amount of talent and passionate people in... Our little hobby is incredible. Uh, John Ferraro he is a perfect example of somebody. I mean, still working every day, traveling, touring, recording, and uh, performing, which is why we have uh, Larry Carlton. Uh, this is the Little Drummer Boy. It's from uh, back around 1998, uh, 1989. Christmas at My House is the album, Larry Carlton. And uh, this is the Little Drummer Boy featuring uh, John Ferraro on drums.
2: Thank you.
0: Since uh, John doesn't have a uh, working website up, if you want to find out more of where he's played or where he's been recorded, go to allmusic.com and uh, type in John Ferraro, and you'll see uh, just a, a laundry list of, of recordings of John.
4: Transmission begins from Money Penny.
0: In the mailbag, uh, going back to last week's show, Birdseye writes, Enjoyed the show, wondering what the price range for Sabina's pipes is. Happy holidays, Nelson. Uh, well, Nelson, they start out really reasonable and work their way up, depending on the commission or the uh, type of pipe. So reach out to her and ask her, and she'll tell you. Uh, Casey Ghost says, A Really good show. People better have their stocking stuffers ready by now or they're out of luck. Sabina was a very good guest, though. I've never heard of her. I looked on her website, and she has a most exquisite style. She even had a mortar pipe. Merry Christmas. Good to have you back, Dan. Uh, Let's see. uh, Going on, uh, Woods Road says her work is exceptionally beautiful and unique. And MGV Squared really, really enjoyed this interview. To own one of her soul pipes would make me really happy. Here's hoping I can patronize her on, uh, on one of these days. Uh, Dread says, "Love the show. I've been intrigued by her pipes for a while, and now I'm intrigued by port wine. <laughs> this show is all about vices, I tell you. Yeah, the only vices we don't talk about are Miami vices. Sorry, couldn't resist it." Uh, Anthony Rosenthal 74 says, "I think I've been following Sabina since her very first pipe hit Facebook." Her pipes are beautiful, and I love her rustication work, even though I usually don't like rustication. Uh, She's always so humble. I've been planning on grabbing one of her pipes for quite some time now, and uh, now is the time. And uh, you know what? She doesn't even mind doing commissions. Um, But it's always fun to hear from a uh, lady's point of view. All right, don't forget, uh, coming up in uh, February, I believe the uh, 18th, I believe, check your calendars though, is the uh, St. Louis Pipe Show, St. Louis, uh, St. Louis Missouri. And uh, hopefully we'll get, uh, on Pipes Magazine, we'll get the 2017 calendar updated uh, pretty shortly here. So keep checking with that. If you would like to be an advertiser on the Pipes Magazine radio show, please contact Kevin Godby, Kevin at PipesMagazine.com. And remember it's the advertisers that uh, help support this show, fund this show, so it's free for you to uh, listen to, and we keep all those archives up there. Every show going all the way back to day one is uh, still available and ready for your uh, review. Uh, let me know if you uh, if you got a chance to sit back and relax with a bowl over this uh, holiday. And uh, don't forget uh, Christmas, uh, New Year's Eve traditions, a uh, couple of them, including smoking a clay pipe at midnight and then smashing it in the fireplace. Uh, I don't have, don't have a fireplace, so I don't plan on smashing one of my clay pipes, but you know what, at midnight on New Year's Eve, great way to uh, start off the new year is with lighting up a bowl. All right, in just a minute, a uh, time-related
2: rant. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country. it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco. Blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellandDeal.com dot com. Merry New Year! Cowboy
3: Cowboy.
0: is the only commodity you can never get more of you can never get it back and I think I've talked about it in several different ways from uh, you know the people in the mall that jump off of their little carts in the middle of the mall and try to hound you and slow you down and bug you while you're trying to do your thing or uh, reminding everybody to uh, sit back relax and uh, take some time to enjoy places Uh, you know I I spent a lot of time this Christmas Uh, this Christmas season just watching and enjoying and being. Uh, Why is that? Because the past year has been a long year for me. Uh, Two deaths in the family, several deaths of of significance in uh, entertainment, including just today, the one and only uh, Princess Leia, uh, Carrie Fisher, who I met briefly one time. And, you know, time is the only thing that we just can't get back. So, if I'm asking, if, if if i'm asking your time to sit back and listen to this show then it's my responsibility to give you the best show possible if anybody is asking for your time it's their responsibility to give you the best out of that time possible because time is the only thing that we cannot get back one of the things i love about smoking my pipe is that it makes time slow down it makes me stop and enjoy the time And time, again, is the only thing that we can't get back. There is no way. We don't know how much we have, but we know that it's the only thing that you can't get back. So as New Year's comes around and we start 2017 fresh, I'm asking you all to make sure that whatever you do with your time, get the most out of it. Get the most out of where you are and be in that place and enjoy the time that we have. Uh with all that, I want to thank John for follow uh John for following me, for John Ferraro for joining us. As always, thank you all for tuning in and thank you for continuing to make this show a wonderful and successful part of Time in My Week. Uh every Tuesday night, eight PM Eastern time, brand new shows for you. And I hope they're well worth your while. So I'll say until next year. Should old acquaintance
2: be forgot And never brought to mind Should old acquaintance be forgot
1: In this country, we say Happy New Year.